The following is a presentation of Real Racing USA. Um, Live. It sounds like, sounds like, who is it? Is it? It must be Mike Peters. From Ocala Speedway. I can, I can feel the dirt from here. Mike <laughs> Peters, what's Hi, up? Hi, Mike. Nice and dirty. How about you guys? Oh, we're doing well. How are you? How come you guys don't call me what everybody else does now? Dirty Mike. Dirty Mike. Oh, dirty Mike. I'm making a note here, so I from, remember. From to... Nasty Mike to Dirty Mike, huh? Yeah. Wow. So, uh, Mike, we talked to you a little bit last week. We, uh. Let you uh, give a little segue into uh, what we were going to get into, and uh, and we, uh, you you listened to the interview we just had with Rusty, and you know I'm sure there's some similarities there, but Mike, the, there's four areas in particular that we're looking at. Maybe we're missing the boat completely, but the things we've been looking at are prices, purses, promotion, and then talking to Rusty, we sort of realized, and, and we've been talking about this off the air before we came on tonight. The a lot of places we see there's just not enough passion or as much passion as maybe there should be. And so, and, and so, Mike, can we just start off and we'll just, we, we, we asked Rusty the same thing. Let's put it out there. What are your, um, your normal race night grandstand prices and then what's your special <laughs> event ticket price for adults? Normal night, $12 for adults, $10 for seniors, $8 for students, children 12 and under are free. Okay. And that's interesting. Now, see, that's... Yeah, okay, what's your pit price? Yeah. $25 all the time. $25 all the time. Why is the cutoff? I wanted to ask Rusty that, and I, I didn't get to it, but I noticed that uh, a couple of the tracks have uh, 11, uh, you know, 12 and under. Some of them have 11 and under. What? What's the, you know, why would you go one or the other? What would be the thinking there? I don't think there's any clear... Scientology behind that. I just think that's a you know, roundabout <laughs> figure that tracks use as a cutoff for children's age, really. You know? How do you know? They could be lying. Well, sometimes you ask them when they were born, and then they kind of look <laughs> at you with a vacant sign on their forehead. You know, they used to do, I don't know if you get anything by old Dirty Mike. Yeah, Mike, you remember they used to have the, uh, the, uh, the, the thing that measured yeah. your height up there at Ocala. There you go, under 42 inches, you're in. <laughs> yeah, they used to have that. So, so solution, man. Kids nowadays are six feet and they're twelve. Yeah, well, so they, they don't get in for free then. So, <laughs> so like you know, the, what we're talking about here is that we we just don't feel, you know, that maybe the the, the, the drivers and the, the you know the people that, that own the cars or the crew and the, the people that are really driving this sport at the back gate, we feel that they don't really understand. Um, you know what kind of crisis that there is. We feel there is one because we look at what's going on, and you know, and, and talk to promoters like yourself. What's your take on it, and and where do you think the focus ought to be? Well, I I, I feel as though it's just my own opinion. I feel as though I've been pretty consistent over the last three years in terms of focusing on the grandstand area and doing everything I possibly can to that piece of it to make that a profit center rather than the back gate and try and keep the cost under control as much as possible for the guys that are coming in the back gate in order to help build the sport in terms of the number of drivers that are out there. Um, you know, just to go on the record, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you guys tonight about the, you know the state of affairs as far as the racing community, the racing world, as far as local short tracks, um, 
is kind of a concerted effort or, or an overall situation of all the tracks out there. It's not necessarily indicative of just the Vocal Speedway. Um, us going to dirt this season was by far the best decision that we could have made. Um, and this is also the best year that we've had uh, since we've owned the Speedway. It's opened up a lot more opportunities for us even next year with Speed Week opportunities. I'm just waiting on a callback for a World of Outlaw late model race. Um, so, you know, the things that are in the future for us at Cal Speedway are, are greater than I think if we'd have just kept doing business as usual. Now, does that mean that next season is going to be as good as this season was for us? I don't know. You know, nobody really knows what direction the economy is going to go in right now. But I think there's some certain things that we can all address, not only from a track owner's perspective, but from a driver's perspective and also from a fan's perspective, um, so that we can all pull together and, and see that these racetracks stay open and continue to thrive and, and stay as viable businesses. Now, Mike, what kind of uh, promotional um, projects are you doing? What kind of advertising do you use, marketing, to get the word out there to create new fans? Well, my first season, I spent a whole lot of money on radio and realized after my first season, uh, we kind of did the exact same thing that Rusty just said as far as not advertising for like a TVR sprint race and realized the exact same number of fans turned up and attracted the exact same type of business as it did when we spent $3,000 on radio advertising. Um, I mean, I've broken it down into little sections if you guys want to talk about them individually. As far as running the track as a business, um, well, I guess we can start off with the marketing piece of it or the advertising piece of it. Um, I don't think really pe- people really have a grasp, unless they're their own individual business owners that race at the track, the, the amount of cost that are involved with radio advertising, TV advertising. You know, you, you often hear people make the remarks, I don't so much anymore, but I did the second year we were in business. Um, you know, I don't hear anything on the radio anymore. I don't hear this. You're not really doing any advertising on the TV or anything like that. No, because that's the, the costs that are associated with that, you know, for me to do a decent radio spot here in Ocala on a very popular radio station is anywhere from twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars. For I'm I'm just I just have to ask since I'm in the radio business. Um, are, is that running 30, 30 second spots or sixties? Sixty. Running sixties. You know how many people do I have to have in the grandstand to cover the cost? Mm-hmm. So what about doing like? Um, did you ever do sort of like maybe a, a a smaller ad schedule and then supply the radio station with tickets to give away? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. We do. Uh, I've done radio spots where the DJ will come out to the track. That's seven hundred dollars a day. We'll spend five or six hours at the track. He's been giving uh, tickets away all week on the radio station. You know, I, I'm not saying that I don't do any of that anymore, but I'm very selective and I pick and choose mm-hmm. uh, where those dollars go. Well, it should be, I, you know, that I think we were talking about it before, uh, Jack and Rob and I, about how, you know, maybe it's done like once a month, one big race a month that you, mm-hmm. you know, invest in that kind of, of a big advertising campaign. Well, if you look at my schedule for the season overall, I have one special event a month. I focus on... Um, I, I try to make every week something. You know, last week was double points night. This week I've got faster pasture races. Had a really good, uh, a lot of good feedback from the community. A buzz created uh, for church night this Friday night. You know, one of the things that I wanted to bring up as far as drivers' perspective, you know, the drivers out there expect, or I'm not going to say command, but they want to be paid X amount of dollars in purses. 
and I really think there could be a lot more effort. I'm asking them for jobs. I'm not telling them they should do our jobs as racetrack owners or promoters, but I think that there's, there are specific things that they can do to also add to the grandstand numbers um, without a lot of effort. You know, going back to the marketing piece of things, I, I've t- kind of taken notes out of some of the old school promoters and track owners books around the around the, the nation, not necessarily here in Florida, but across the country, and kind of focused on getting back to the basics. You know, the black and white stock car racing every Friday night, posters all over town, the, you know, the low-dollar stuff that has a big to your buck. Um, at the beginning of the season, I sat at the driver's meeting, and I told all the drivers, I said, you know, if each one of you drivers one of those posters home with you and hang it up at your business or your favorite sandwich shop or bar or know where you go have breakfast or, or whatever it has a uh, exponential effect on the coverage of it versus me or somebody working for me trying to go out and hang up these posters all over town you know you're talking about a, a two-week project to hang up this number of posters um i think the drivers can encourage their family members you know a lot of them already bring every family member they've got out to the track but you know, Rusty, Mike, Bobby, doesn't matter who they are, they can attest to the driver that just shows up with himself in the car, you know. I mean, and, and I'm not trying to pin all this on the drivers. My whole point, guys, is that we all need to pull together. Track owners, drivers, and the fans keep these businesses open, plain and simple. Um, and, and, you know, and I've got points here that I could, could send out to the track owners, the drivers, and the fans. Um, you know, if the drivers went to work and encouraged all their workmates to come out and watch them race this Friday night or bragged a little bit about how they, how well they raced on the dirt of Ocala Speedway, it, it, all those little tiny pieces have an exponential effect on the amount of people coming in the grandstands. It's not laid squarely on the shoulders of, you know, two or three guys or a staff at the Speedway. You well, Mike, I, I think that's a great idea about, you know, every week sending the drivers home with posters for them to go and post up in their their favorite places to go, their businesses, their friends' businesses. I think that wow. that really that I mean that 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 helps. Yeah, it's, and it's the same way like we talked about drivers taking tickets to pass out. Also, now you will have drivers, and I'm sure Mike's heard this, and every owner's heard it at one time or another. You'll have drivers. I've heard it. People tell me this. Is it's not my response. I've had race car drivers tell me it's mm-hmm. not my responsibility. That's the track's responsibility. But the other side of that coin is, if the if if this kind of stuff isn't done, then it makes it makes it much more difficult for the track to operate. And the point is, is that you know this is and we've had this conversation with several owners. It's like this is a game where the track owners are helping subsidize. The drivers' uh, passion for their hobby, and you know they pay the insurance, they provide the place for the driver to come, and then on the other hand, you have drivers. When you make that point, drivers will say that uh, uh, they're the show. That they're the show. Well, the point is, friend of mine, Rick Angie said, "Yeah, well, what were they thinking the first time they pulled that car out onto the track?" Were they thinking about they're the show? Were they there to do it because they love it and it's their hobby and mm-hmm. it's their passion? And 
you know, I think that's Rob. You're a race car driver. Uh, don't you think it I'm, has to be understood, Rob, that times have changed and everybody has to work together I've got for the, the answer. benefit? I've got of the one track? of the answers that you know. Of course, okay. every time somebody gets an answer, the questions get all changed around. But what's the answer? Um, if if you're going to put on a show and the drivers want to say they're the point that that we're the show, okay, then what you do is you take this purse that you're going to pay. And you divide it up between every one of your showmen equally, okay? Sit them down in a driver's meeting. Say, okay, there's 12 of you here today. I paid $2,000 for this purse. We're splitting it up. We're dividing it by 12. Everybody's getting the same amount. So it doesn't matter if you finish first or last or no, getting the same amount. Right, okay, now, and at first you're going to get everybody, you know, some guys are going to be mad, okay? And uh, the other guys are going to be like, Wow, cool. I'm going to go home with more money than I've ever gone home with. Okay? 80% of the guys will go home with that's more right, money yeah. than they went. So if you think about that, okay, that's how, I mean, there's a lot of sports out there that are done that way that people watch and pay big money to go see all the time. Um, with your, Now, you could structure that deal a little bit by allowing the first three people to make a little bit more money than the other ones, but um, I think... When it comes to late model racing today and it comes to modified racing and all these big classes, and I own one of those cars and I spend the big money that it costs to get one there, maybe not as much as some of these guys that are running late models that should be running NASCAR, but they're running late models with us. Um, They're out there trying to get that $3,000 to win. Only one person wins that money, and the majority of people go home with $300. What do you say, Mike? So I think you're I think you're on to something. There's a couple sprint car series up in the Carolinas that run and operate on the same principle. Um, it hasn't yet to be tried down here. It's something that I've actually mulled over um, and given it some honest thought to. Eight. Know, it, it might be something viable. During the course of the year, there's only about 20, 25% of the guys that win the top money, right, in any given class? You're correct. Yeah. I announced that at the driver's meeting opening night this season. I didn't have any drivers say, that's not my job. I'm not doing that. They at least didn't say it to my face. I actually, you know, it's the first time I ever attempted anything like that, and I actually had a different response. I had I had several people clapping, and I actually had probably 50 or 60 posters disappeared out of the office within, you know, the next few hours. So I think that that was something that worked. What if you did it tomorrow? I don't hear a lot of that. I mean, I, I'm not going to compare asphalt to dirt, but I haven't heard a lot of that this season. And most of the guys that race SoCal Speedway, they want to see the track succeed and do good, and they want to see people in the stands and are willing to do their part to try and make that happen. I just think that sometimes along the road they may need a little encouragement. You know, hey, have you talked to your buddies at work about coming out and watching you race this week? If everybody puts a collective effort together like that, then everybody's going to be successful. You know, the guys that have the effort, that's not my job. That's not that's you know that's the promoter the owner's job. They're also the ones that kind of have the same attitude that I'm here to I'm here to get paid, not yeah. to be with more money than. And and that's all going to end soon, Mike, because all those guys got to realize is that hey, what if Mike Peters closes his racetrack up? What if he goes ahead and sells it to uh, the cattle market because the cattle market wants to be bigger and they just want to make a parking lot out of it? Okay. Well, some of them don't want to see that happen, and, and the one that I think, the ones that, and I, and I'm, and I'm saying this, I, I have not heard that out of any of my drivers this season. None of them have ever made a comment like that to me. But 
for some, I know there's some out there, and for, for ones that would make a comment like that, then I don't think they, that they care if the place closed or not, as long as they were going home with more money than they paid to get in right. to perform their hobby that night. They lose sight of the fact that the guy that unlocks the key at the, at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day, he should be more entitled than anybody to go home with a dollar in his pocket because he's the one carrying the risk of the entire operation. Well, bring, bring it down for us. How how What is... You know, what is the things that are making it difficult and make the future, you know, not, you know, whatever words you want to use. I just happen to think it's it's a little scary in terms of, like, a long-term future because of the way things are going now. What are some of the things that make the racetrack operation difficult uh, from the owner's perspective? Well, I mean... Uh it's all the way around. I mean, the economy is affecting everybody the way that it is. It's getting increasingly more difficult for drivers to be able to afford to race. When track owners don't do their part to keep driving the cost of it down as far as them to be able to participate as a sport, then that's adding insult to injury. The cost of the marketing, the cost of getting posters made from the artwork to everything else has gone up, you know, tenfold. Um, I mean, a, a, a case in the last month, a case of hamburgers for me has doubled. A box of French fries for me has doubled. You know, but the minute you tack seventy-five more cents onto the board for a hamburger or a hot dog, you know, you're a son of a bitch. All right. Well, you just do it twenty-five cents at a time, and then they don't notice. I mean, listen, Mike. There's nothing wrong with uh, the promoters out there and the and the and the uh, the owners uh, making some money, um, as long as they're all doing their part. And I think that when I say that. I think that it means that it, I know it's a struggle week after week after week, but it's it's that struggle of making a good show, okay, scheduling a good show, and um, doing the proper advertising on the days that it needs to be to put those people in the grandstands. Because here's where I'm a driver and I get aggravated sometimes when I sit back and see some of the things that have gone on at the racetracks is that I don't think that at some of the racetracks that the owners are doing what they're supposed to be doing completely because they're not putting the right people in the position where they need to be to make these things happen. And as far as putting people in the grandstands, okay, if I'm a race car driver, I drive a late model, okay, and I'm in your town, and we're fixing to race at your racetrack. If I don't hear any radio advertising, okay, period, and I don't work for any radio stations, Mike, I don't have any... any uh, reason to push a radio station because i don't work for a radio station Mm -hmm. um but if 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 you're if you don't advertise on that popular country radio station and you own a race car track and you're going to have a late model race or you're going to have a big sprint car race trust me i don't care what rusty said earlier okay there's going to be more people there when you advertise and you were talking about well how many people has to come to make up for that if every person that comes is worth ten dollars in the grandstands, I mean, in, in the uh, just in concession, and that's uh, today it's more than that probably because the price has gone up. It doesn't take that many, that much to pay that advertising. Now the three thousand that you were talking about spending for advertising, that's a little excessive. Okay, you don't need to have remotes. You don't have to have a remote there where you've got the live and, and DJ there. And you really, there. D- you don't need 60s to, t- to, to do a good, effective That's right. 15 seconds, 30, of, even 15 seconds of coming on there and somebody talking about Ocala Speedway, and it's exciting, and there's a race car in the background. They Josh, hear that a few times. and construe what I said. 
I didn't say that radio advertising was ineffective or that I didn't do any of it. No, no, I heard say you. that. I mean, for us to for us to do that on a basis is not cost effective. I do that for all our big shows. I do yeah. that for our spring mm-hmm. car races. I do that for our United Dirt Late Model Challenge Series races. I do do that, and I do feel as though there's a certain amount of value and also a certain effect that goes along with those radio spots. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's absolutely right. You got to you have to pick your spots with with any of the higher dollar. Well, you know, if you want to talk about who's coming to put on a show, let's talk about who's coming to put on a show. The promoters at the racetrack trying to do his best to make sure that the people that come in the front gate are putting on a good show. Then he announces we're going to invert X amount of cars or we're not going to do qualifying because the fans don't come to see qualifying. They're going to race their way into the race. And you literally have drivers that don't show up. Yep. What happened with heat races? No, wait. I thought he was done. I didn't no. know. Last time, when was the last time you saw an off-the-hook race where cars were coming from the back, working their way through the field, working their way to the front, through the door, cars taking the lead and winning the race? When was the last time you guys saw a race like that at a racetrack? Because that's what, that's what brings the passion. I know, I know you had one up there earlier this year, and I can't remember that guy's name, but he races in everything there is. Um, He's a friend of Patrick Williams. They, they ran that hobby stock race, last to yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I have had that at Ocala Speedway more this year than I have in the past. Also, when I raced there and also when I just went there to watch races. But it's because I try to focus on that piece of the show, you know. I mean, but that's my point, guys. You know, the, the Powell Memorial is a good example. We probably had four or five late model drivers that did not show up because there was no qualifying, and I'm not going to change that. Right. It's the way it is. Race your way into the race. Let's put on a show for these fans that came to see racing. Not cars going around trying to turn the best time on a stopwatch. Qual- spending qualifying time, even on a- whether it's asphalt or dirt, spending qualifying time in front of the fans and on dirt, Dirt's a little different because you, you, I mean, it's a different situation than asphalt, but that is not a for local short track racing. I can't find any fans that really like dig that. That's just a waste of their time. No matter of fact, I had, when I was up at East Bay and that was going on, I had people in the grandstands ask me why. It's a good time to sell concessions. Yeah. Why is that going on now? You know, is this the real race? I had to explain. No, it's not the real race. So, so what are some of the other issues, Mike, or 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 you know what what are what are some of the other things that you know you see as a as an owner that you know just drive you bonkers on this whole deal? Well, I think that's probably you know one of the biggest pieces of it for me is when I'm really focusing hard, I'm trying to make sure that we provide good track to race at, a fair track to race at, a consistent track to race at, and put on a show to get these people to want to come out week in and week out and watch what these guys are doing. You know, and then you got people that want to buck the system. Not all of them, and you don't hear from that many of them. And you know, for, like I said, this year has been the best year that we've had, not only in terms of uh, the Speedway as a business, but in terms of um, being passionate about it again and having fun at it and just really having a good time with it. Sure. Um, I just think there's certain things that we can all do. You know, talking about the fan perspective of it a little bit. You know, encouraging some of your neighbors, some of your people you go to church with. You know, I've got a faster pastor Friday night, church night. No alcohol sold. We're not going to sell any beer. Um, created quite a bit of buzz about it in the community. We've got some real heavy hitters in terms of congregations out there that have been announcing our 
church night and faster pastor races to their congregation on Sundays. I mean, this last Sunday it was presented to 3,000 people, all right, about our about our event Friday night. Well, at the driver's meeting, it was announced, guys, we need guys to volunteer. I've got nine pastors signed up for this race. We need guys to volunteer their cars so these guys can, can go out and do their eight or ten laps, you know, for this for fun race. And everybody gets a free pit pass if their car is used that night for the faster pastor race. I've got nobody signed up to use their car. And, you know, it, it's stuff like that that's frustrating because I'm out here trying to build the grandstand and continue to, to make this a viable business and a thriving business. And, you know, sometimes you just need a little bit of give back. Well, you know, you, 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 you're talking to me because um, on uh, Karnak.com, the front page, we have this huge ad. And I apologize that you didn't get a glow around your picture uh, like Mike and uh, Rusty did, but uh, I, I overlooked that. But we have this huge ad there, and uh, we have this on the front page of Florida Stock Car Racing, the front page of Real Racing USA, the message board, everywhere. It's all over the place. Georgia Stock Car Racing, it's all over the place. We've had thousands and thousands and thousands, I mean, I don't even know how many, a ton of hits on that. There's been over... 3,000 reads of the article that you click on to read about this show tonight and asking people to either call or email us. And guess what? Not one single driver sent us a question to ask you guys. And, you know, it just you, you just wonder if these guys are sitting back and uh, are in such apathy. I don't understand it. Is it apathy? Is it whatever? It's the same thing that you're just now talking about. Somebody coming out and just like saying, "Here, take my car." You know what the hell? <laughs> I, right? I mean, I, I don't understand it either. I, it boggles my mind. And yet, you know, God forbid somebody gets DQ'd for the you know something they don't think they should have got DQ'd for, and you know the emails fly. And these guys don't realize one of these pastors might bless their car and it might win every week after that. <laughs> now, Mike, I, I I feel your pain there. I I know what you're saying, you know, and it's uh, but because we fight that same thing, just like what. what, what let's not get that construed either. This isn't necessarily my pain. This is a this is a conversation regarding not particularly Ocala Speedway, but no, it's racing in general. The direction of this entire sport and all the tracks, particularly in the state of Florida. What we're, it ought to be looked at and addressed. What I was saying was that, just like Jack was saying, we we put it out there. We're trying to get other input out there, and uh, we can't. I was amazed that we didn't have some people from Ocala with some uh, questions, you know, uh, for you, you know, uh, and, and we don't get it. So it doesn't surprise me when you're asking these same people out there for a vehicle that you're not getting it, okay, because... Um, it's, there's a lot of complacency in you racers out there that I know that you're listening. Okay, it's not it's not the owners of the racetracks fault. In in a lot of cases, there are a few cases where there's well, he he hit the point though. That it's really not about you know like Mike's pain, and that's what this whole deal is about. I mean, that's why we're going to talk to the owners, and I'm sure we'll come back and and have more more discussion about it. But it's it's a statewide, and that's what we're dealing with. It's probably nationwide, but we're dealing with Florida and. There are issues here that if they're not dealt with, um, things are not going to, to reverse. Is, it, don't well, you see that? It, it's not just that. It's the tracks aren't going to be able to keep paying their purses that they're paying. I mean, that's the bottom line. You know, we are in probably one of the most crowded or most competitive 
entertainment marketplaces in this country right now than we've ever seen in our business. You know, on Friday night, I compete with any 300 different things that are going on, even right here in Ocala. You know, the, the Internet has opened up a new world to people. You know, watching movies on your TV at the house, you know, you don't even have to go to the Blockbuster anymore. You can sit, at your, sit on your couch and do it. I don't compete with NASCAR on Friday nights, but... Rusty does it in his underwear. And well, you do. Beer. You could. You could. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> that's what he said. Yeah. Or, we're, we don't mean to pick Michael, on you, Rusty. Michael, I tell you what, uh, we're going to have to run because we we do have to talk to to Mike Hope tonight. Sounds good. And uh, I really really appreciate your uh, your candor yeah, tonight. Thanks. 